When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No need to report that to him until we have something to report. <laughs> I forgot about that one. That's a classic. I forgot about that one. Welcome to the Dagobah Dispatch. It is a podcast. It is a podcast about Star Wars. A podcast is a thing where people talk about another thing. Welcome to ours. Uh, if that sounded like an absolutely terrible intro script, that is because this week on the Dagobah Dispatch, we are chatting about awful writing, specifically some awful writing on Star Wars. We're each going to pick out what we feel is the worst dialogue to ever come out of any Star Wars film. Uh, look, these are movies we love, but let's be honest, the writing is not always the best. So let's have some fun reflecting on the worst. Speaking of the worst, I'm Dalton Ross, and I'm joined as always by the best, Devin Kogan and birthday girl, Lauren Morgan. Lauren, did you receive lots of Grogu hats and sweaters and NFTs you. for your birthday? Um, I got a Millennium Falcon uh, uh, light. And uh, my mom also got me, that was for my sister, but then I got a Star Wars light, uh, and that was a birthday present. I got a bunch of other stuff that was not And the Star Wars, Wars light, to be clear, is like the, it's like the Star Wars logo, so it's kind of like when it bursts on the screen, yeah. bef- like before the crawl. I'm not sure I can show you that uh, Millennium Falcon thing without knocking a bunch of stuff off my desk, but the biggest birthday present I got was I got another, uh, I got a great nephew who was born at 1059 on my birthday. Uh, my, uh, my husband's nephew, uh, and his wife, uh, adopted a second baby. Their first baby is six months old. And so they've adopted a second baby. Oh my so they have two tiny little babies right now. So that was, and the funny thing is my, uh, Nick's, my husband and, uh, we, sh- my husband's mother and I share a birthday. So now we have a third birthday, uh, buddy. So we're going to need a really Listen, big I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Year. I don't <laughs> care about the nephew at all. I don't care about three yeah. people sharing the oh, same I, birthday. I should show you, nope, show show you the photo of the, the six, the six month old meeting the tiny baby because nope. it's, it's don't the care most about that. Don't want to see it. Here's let me tell you. Let me don't ta- care. Nope. You just care about nope. Star nope. Wars. There's stuff. something else I care about. Mm-hmm. There's something else yeah. I care about. This is what I care about. Yes. I care about Lauren Morgan in a foam pit at a trampoline park. <laughs> That's what I care about. That That's what I, what I care about. So yeah. I need you to explain how you ended up trying to pull your body out of a foam pit at a trampoline park over the weekend. Okay. So before I got my, uh, my birthday buddy, uh, got born later at, at the end of my birthday, uh, mid birthday, my uh, daughter had to go to a birthday party at a sky zone, which is a trampoline park. And, you know, I was hanging around the trampoline park for about 20 minutes and my daughter was just jumping up and down and I could see my husband really wanted to jump up and down as well. And so we decided to pay for both of us to be able to jump up and down with our daughter. 
And um, so there was like tr- big trampolines and I spent most of my time on the trampoline. Are you the um, only adults? Are you the only adults me. on the trampoline, Lauren? I mean, is it like- <laughs> no, the, par- the parents were, there were some other parents on the trampoline. Okay. The, the parents of the, uh, of the uh, other birthday girl. I have a lot of people who were born on my birthday um, uh, were also jumping. So I was not like the only mm-hmm. parent on it. But, you know, my daughter was like, she was jumping for like an hour. And I'm like, I just don't want to stand around here for an hour. At least let me get some activity. Did in. you put on the special socks, Lauren? I did. I did. <laughs> you know, I did put on the special <laughs> socks. But we, my daughter, my daughter's like, I'd like to come back here. We're like, we're sorry the socks deteriorate. You can't, you can't come back here. Um, which I think she knows is a lie. Willowbrook anyway, Mall, Lauren? Is this so Willowbrook, have- Willowbrook Mall Sky Zone? No, 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 not this one. This was the one in Springfield, New Jersey. Um, but there's a gigantic <sighs> foam pit, which like, you know, the kids like jump, you jump on a trampoline and then jump into a foam pit. And it looks really fun. But these things are designed for people who are seven and eight years old. Yes, and they are, Lauren. For people who are 45, because both my husband and I jumped into the foam pit thinking this would be a lot of fun and then discovered we could not get out of the foam pit <laughs> incredible. because it just basically sucked us into it because <laughs> we were too heavy for the damn foam pit so literally my husband and i were looking at each other like i don't think i can get out of this foam pit and there's no elegant way to do that <laughs> so basically my husband had to like help like boost me up so if you really want to feel old try and get out of a foam pit on your birthday as a 45 year old, because afterward I felt pretty. Please tell me there's video footage of this. Just like that someone, some random pacifier just turned on. The- <laughs> there's some video footage of me jumping up and down on the trampoline, but there is no footage of me getting uh, out of the foam pit. There's footage of my husband trying to get out of the foam pit, but not me because I'm smart about these things and he didn't think to record me getting out of the uh, foam Missed pit, opportunity. So. Yeah, missed I got opportunity. out of the foam pit first. So, you know. But he did give me a boost out because I was like, I can't get out of this thing. He's just like, here. I've been to so parties there. I've been humbling. to parties. Yeah. 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 I, mm-hmm. I've never seen yeah, a 45 year old jump in the foam pit. So there were other, I mean, there were other people getting out of the foam pits, but they didn't seem to have as much trouble as I did getting out of the foam pit. So do they still do ball pits or is it the ball pits become the foam pits? We were at another trampoline park last week because there was another yes, birthday party we had to go to. We were at an urban air and they had a ball pit. And I think I would have preferred the ball pit over the foam pit. Because, I, I mean, they had a really enormous ball pit. I mean, it, it put Chuck E. Cheese to shame because mm. uh, those were the last ball pits I recall being in. But Not yeah. easy to do. I don't That's think I've impressive. ever been in a ball pit or foam pit just because... It just seems a little germy. Let's be honest. It seems a little germy, I mean, germy, honestly, Devin. though, I've been in, was in a lot of uh, ball pits when I was, you know, a kid. But you're not really thinking about germs when you're in a Chuck E. Cheese when you're, I'm always you thinking know, about germs. 1985. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I was like a four-year-old being like, I, absolutely not. I don't not think yeah. I really Purell. thought about germs until I was at least maybe like 16 or something like that. But like as a child, I was like, sure, water parks, foam pits, well, like, or ball pits, whatever. I'll, you know, who cares? Hot tubs? Hot tubs. <laughs> sure. I didn't think about that either, so. So I have a question for you guys. Have you guys ever heard of the City Museum in St. Louis? No. No. Okay. So the City Museum is, it's sort of like the weirdest, craziest playground you've ever been to. It's kind of a playground for adults and children. And Mm -hmm. it's basically this guy, it's kind of a a St. Louis like institution. This guy just found a bunch of like, I don't know, he collected every time they were going to like knock down a weird building. And he was like, that's a weird architectural detail. I'm going to steal that and stick it in this quote unquote museum. And it is like, like multi-story slides. There is a giant outdoor jungle gym. I need you guys to Google this if you're listening at home. The the City Museum in St. Louis, the jungle gym is made out of like 
old fighter jets and um, like school buses and you like climb up like several stories and it is just like the weirdest most like fever dream of a place um, but it is extremely fun as an adult to go to the city museum so that every time good, but the city museum sounds like that's the wrong name for it because it sounds like a very dry place and <laughs> it needs to be like it is wacky not dry <laughs> it is the weirdest most interesting place I've ever been and so mm-hmm. I, I always like explain to people like this is the city museum and nobody's ever heard of it because nobody's ever been to St. Louis. But um, if you're looking for a a weird like playground to climb on, um, I highly, highly recommend it. Well, look, we're doing travel recommendations now. I love it. Yeah. I love it. A little arts and culture <laughs> coming at you, courtesy of Devin Kogan. Well played. Um, all right. Uh, no more arts and culture for the rest of our podcast now because we're going to talk some <laughs> Star Wars. A um, uh, little programming note. We're going to welcome uh, Michelle Ang to the show later. She does the voice of Omega on The Bad Batch and uh, we can discuss this week's episode uh, as well a bit, but let's begin. Listen, we like I said at the top of the show, we do love Star Wars. We do a, a stupid podcast every week about Star Wars because we love Star Wars so much. But, you know, we recognize there's some things that are better about Star Wars maybe than other things. And we've talked about it. And it's not just us. The stars of Star Wars from the original trilogy have talked about uh, the fact, as have people from the prequel trilogy, that maybe, you know, the dialogue is, you know, as Ewan McGregor once said, it's not Shakespeare. Exactly. So I thought it'd be fun for us each to pick our selection for the worst Star Wars dialogue ever put on screen. Just the one either line or full scene or back and forth dialogue that just makes you either makes your skin crawl or makes you drop your head and just be really just uh, depressed or, uh, you know, in tears of laughter, perhaps. So uh, let's go around the horn here. Let's start with Devin. We'll give Devin first shot at this, where she's going to hit us up with her pick for the worst Star, Star Wars dialogue ever. Oh, see, this is hard. I was hoping you guys would go first because I have five options. <laughs> <laughs> I have two, so and <laughs> I, I just deleted my would, third one. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, I got to figure out which one I want to go with because I have um, some prequel options yeah. and I have some sequel options. Mm. Um, I think, tell you what, I'm going to cheat and I'm going to do a prequel and I'm going to do a sequel sure. option. Love it. Um, so my sequel option is one that I think should come as no surprise to anyone who's been on the internet for the last three years. Um, it is uh, Oscar Isaac's incredible line delivery <laughs> of somehow Palpatine return. Now, three words, poetry, really, poetry, really. <laughs> but but that, that somehow is doing so much heavy lifting in that sentence. Um, and I just, I... Oh, there's a reason that that line has become a meme because it is so stupid and just absurd. Like it's just absurd. Um, I mean, look, I get it. We watch Star Wars. We love to like throw out a single line to you know fill plot holes or explain whatever. But to bring back the big bad of the original you know trilogy with a single line is, oof, man. Somehow, somehow Palpatine returned. What are you guys? What are your guys' thoughts on that line? Did that make any of your guys' list? That is yeah. probably my ultimate one, but I feel like I have talked enough about the rise of Skywalker and I feel, felt like I did not need to talk anymore about it. So I, I, I had a feeling somebody else was going to nominate it. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to talk too much about it. I don't want to set Lauren off. I mean, the way that Lauren works is she starts very calm, but then the more you talk about the rise of Skywalker, she just can't help herself. 
but I mean, it's, it is, it's absurd. It's ridiculous. And I just, I always, when there's lines like that, I wonder what the actor thinks when he's, and, oh, ma- yeah. and maybe. Oh, like, I think we know exactly what Oscar Isaac yeah. was thinking when he <laughs> delivered that line. <laughs> like, but did he, did he go to like JJ and be like, Hey, can we rework this? But it's just the whole Palpatine thing is still even so confusing, like as to exactly what he is and why he's there. And why for all this buildup, they actually brought him back in the very first scene, which is super weird. Yeah. Like, I don't understand why they did that. The beginning of that movie is so weird in that way. Um, but it's just like, it's like the, why the, why the line is so hilarious. Cause it's like, yeah, we don't really want to, we don't really have a good explanation for this. Like we, in the script development, didn't really come up with a really solid we way of explaining this. Yeah. Right, we didn't bother to do it. So we don't want to get too caught up in that. So just somehow it happened. Like somehow he returned. Don't worry about it. The point is he's back. If you think too much about how or why he's back, you're going to realize how dumb it is. Like the, the, these clones and some cult, clone, cloning cult that's not on Camino. Like, just don't worry about that. Just he's back. Like, it, that's why it's so funny to me. It's doing so much heavy lifting and it's literally a placeholder line. It's like, yeah. I don't know about you yeah. guys, when I write an article and I'm like, I, I put in a TK, which yes. is journalism for, you know, well, I'll fill this in later. Um, this is a this is the TK of, the, of yeah. the Star Wars universe. So so that's my we don't have to talk too much about Rise of Skywalker because, um, again, you know, we, we don't have nine hours. But um, for, for when it comes to the prequels. There are many options. Um, there's many. I'm, I'm assuming we will have some some Anakin Padme dialogue late, later on in this discussion. But I had to go with one that. So I rewatched Attack of the Clones over the summer because it was, I think, the 20th anniversary. And um, our EW colleague Christian Holub and I did like sort of a retrospective about Attack of the Clones on EW.com. And there was one line that just made me laugh extremely hard. Um, which is when Yoda says, around the survivors, a perimeter create. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know what it is. Like, Yoda always speaks weird. All of Yoda's lines are weird. But something about that one just seems so stupid. It sounds like you, like, had, like, an AI and you were like, give me a line, but put it in the Yoda syntax. Yeah, and it's like a, just around the survivors, a perimeter create. It's like it's, it's just a- not even an efficient way of talking. The people are waiting. You're giving them orders. Yeah. They want to know what to do. And it's like you're being a drama queen yeah. by making them hang on your every word to see. <laughs> it's just so – it always trips me up too, Devin. I think it's hilarious. Oh, it's so good. It's like so stupid, but so good. I always I always laugh at that around the survivors the perimeter create. <laughs> it's funny too, because like, you know, it's like I, I've said, like, I think in like Empire, like Yoda has some of the best lines, if not has the best lines, other than I love you, I know, in like all of Star Wars, right? Yes. Like so you good. go back to Empire, he's got like three to five just of the best lines you'll hear in any Star Wars script ever. So then to give them around like the perimeter uh, of the survivors create, like, it's just like, it's, it's, it's just hilariously bad. And it's just, it, it just doesn't fit with the scene. It doesn't fit with the, the rest of the language. Just like everything about it is just, it makes me laugh so hard every time I hear it. <laughs> yeah, it's not wise. 
It's not like he's saying something like, you know, Confucius say. He's not being succinct about, like, usually Yoda's pretty succinct in his advice, and this one is not succinct at all. It's like. Yeah, also, this is like the first time he's worked with the clones, you know, because like they literally just got the clones and they're bringing the clones um, to, you know, go rescue (gasps) Anakin and Obi-Wan and every. And I can't help but think, like, what did the command, like, the, like, Commander Cody or whatever, is he like, is this what my life is going to be like now? Is am I just going to have to like listen to this weird green dude say well, things like around the survivors' per- uh, perimeter? Create and they just so, left Camino. Like, does everyone talk like this? The thing is, like, Yaddle doesn't even talk like that because we had that that little thing of her yes. this summer, and I was just yes. like, so is this just you? Like, is Grogu going to start talking like this when he eventually starts speaking? You know. I have so many questions. I honestly think that Yoda just does it for the drama. I, I really think that it's yeah. not a, it's not like a, a linguistic thing of where he grew up because, like, look at Yaddle. I just think that Yoda is like, I gotta live up. I am I am the wise Jedi Master, and I gotta say things that sound like a wise Jedi Master. So it's like when people are like, I'm gonna start talking in a British accent because yeah. I think it'll yeah. make me sound smart. Like yeah. I, I honestly, honestly believe maybe, that. Maybe, maybe around year five hundred, Yoda just got bored of talking normally, and he decided to switch it up for the back half of his life. Like, you <laughs> know? when, when do his, like, when do his, like, how old is Grogu, and when do these people start talking? Grogu is like, like fifty. I think he's fifty so, something. I mean, yeah, you figure yeah. he would have picked it up by now, right? Like, you figure he would have picked up a little, a few words like da I mean, Mama. I mean, but, but but Mando is not a very he's he's loquacious. a pretty taciturn yeah. guy. He's not very loquacious, and you know they say you gotta like chat all the time to your baby so that oh, they yeah, can like learn words. Although I don't know, Mando's become more talkative. He's yeah. always like, you know. Anyway, so that's oh, I have so many other options. I'll give you my back. I'll let you guys go, and then okay. I'll give you guys then we'll my, get some my other backup, backup options from, from Devin because yeah. they might because there's so many. There's so yeah. many to choose Especially from. Especially in Attack of the Clones. Yeah. yeah, Lauren's second favorite uh, Star Wars movie. All right, uh, <laughs> so Lauren, uh, I assume you're not doing Rise of Skywalker because it makes you too angry. So where where does your quote come from? Yeah, I don't think anybody wanted to listen to me talk. I have, I actually, we're going back to Attack of the Clones. I have two yeah. that I just really couldn't decide between. I have, this is just sort of emblematic of all of the dialogue between Anakin and Padme, but I'm haunted by the kiss that you sh- never should have given me. Which just like every like I just remember being in the theater and watching Attack of the Clones and anytime the two of them were on screen and I think these like I think Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman did have chemistry but the dialogue was so painful to listen to I remember at one point I'm like I just wish I could stop listening to them talk and just like this could become a silent movie and I could just make up my own dialogue so I'm haunted by the kiss that you never should have given me that just to me is emblematic of all the terrible romantic dialogue in Attack of the Clones. And I know Maureen Lanker is probably listening yes. to this being like, this was good. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> well, I mean, listen, true. we're not saying it behind her back. We said it to her face. If you want to yeah, go back and listen uh, to the uh, debating Anakin and Padme love story uh, podcast a, a, a few weeks back, go check that out. I, I, I said like that all the dialogue is so bad. Like just in that one scene, um, that after dinner scene when Padme's mm-hmm. in like the pseudo S and M outfit. Yeah. I mean, which was you, just, you, I think that was when I was just like, I just wish these two would stop talking. I mean, like it just doesn't sound natural is the problem. No. Like they're trying to make it sound dramatic, but lines like if you are suffering as much as I am, please tell me, or we live in the real world, come back to it. 
or mm-hmm. you are asking me to be rational. That is something I know I cannot do. And then for me, the worst line, Lauren, I can't believe you didn't pick this is, if you follow your thoughts through to conclusion, it will take us to a place we cannot go, regardless of the way we feel about each other. Like, who talks like that? Who says that? If you follow your thoughts through to conclusion? There was another romantic line that I, I, I picked. I, I was like, I'm haunted. Um, like, uh, the line about the kiss becoming a scar. I thought about that one, but I went with haunted by the kiss. That you should have never given me because I was just like, no, I think that's just worse. I just also wanted to give a shout out to the one immediately after the asking me to be rational, which is, believe me, I wish that I could wish away my feelings. (laughs) (laughs) And something about the double wish is just like. Someone needed an editor to go going, this is bad. You need to think of something else. But. So generally, I I mean, when I uh, talked to Dalton about this last week, I'm like, can I just nominate all of Attack of the Clones? And he said no. (laughs) So I'm trying to be more specific. Um, But then uh, the second one is I, I this is a terrible line of dialogue, but I do really enjoy all the memes that have come out of this dialogue. So the the one that I have also picked is I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating and it gets everywhere. Now, I also do not like sand. I am not a fan of sand. I like going in the ocean, but I don't like sand. So I understand where Anakin is coming from, but this is also just a dumb line of dialogue. And I also feel bad because now anytime anyone buries his lightsaber in the sand on Tatooine, I'm like, what are you doing? He hates sand. But anyway... Uh, that was my other uh, nomination. So do you uh, not take work. your daughter to the beach? No, I do. I just. You don't let her build sand. sand castles? No, it was funny. Like when I was a kid, my dad used to have to like take a bucket of seawater up to the boardwalk so I could wash my feet because I hated sand. I've gotten <laughs> used to it now, but she also does not like sand that much, but she likes playing. Yeah, I wonder, in I wonder sand. why. Yeah, no, she <laughs> likes play. She likes playing in the sand. I like the ocean. I like swimming in the ocean. I just don't always, I just don't like sand. It does get everywhere. He is correct about that even though I just do think it's a dumb line of dialogue. Are you okay standing in the ocean, even though you're standing on sand in the ocean? Yeah, that's fine. I like, it's just, you know. Wet sand's okay? Wet sand's okay. It's like when it's kind of dry and sticking to you, I just Mm. don't like that part about it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I like sitting on the sand. I like being in the ocean. But when I've got like wet feet and then sand like sticks to it, uh -uh, I'm not a fan. But then again, there's no oceans on Tatooine. So Mm. I think, you know. I but. so yeah, it's it's just a, a terribly silly line for you know a Dark Lord of the Sith to say. Yeah. I mean that's just the one thing that they've done is like I'm not saying this guy has to be dark and brooding when he's like six years old, but that's sort of the problem with the, the with some of the the trilogy the prequel trilogy and you know he's saying yippee and then he's talking about sand and like I don't know it's just it's just, just kind of making work. him less mythical than you would think about him. You're just like, oh, Darth Vader, he really hates sand. He's you know? one of us. He's Some just of, like us. So I also should have just thrown that into his suit, and then he would have just been completely disabled because he'd be in a rage. <laughs> I also, I will give a little bit of credit to some of that bad Attack of the Clones dialogue because, like, we get the sense that Anakin is extremely awkward. Like, mm-hmm. he's never spoken to a girl before. He is and this not is, smooth. Like, the woman he's been obsessed with for, like, the last, what, like, 10 years of his life. So, like, I get that you could maybe cut him a little bit of slack because, like, he's trying to be, like, suave and romantic and then it's just, like, not working at all. But it would, where that would work if, like Padme was like, 
it was not like, oh, yes, I'm falling for this. This is working. Whatever yeah, you're saying he, right now. His, all of his dialogue is just completely stalkery. And then Padme is like, oh. And then you're just like, no. I mean, Obi-Wan's over yeah, there being But it works, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's it like, does work. It does really it work. I don't know. Jedi Taste mind trick level, maybe but... is thrown in there. I, I also just, for the record... um, want to stick up for Attack of the Clones a little bit. I mean, I've, I've, we've gotten to this discussion slash debate many times, but for those uh, new to the pod, just like, I think that there's half a good movie in Attack of the Clones. I think all the Obi-Wan oh, yeah. stuff, the Camino stuff, the investigation of the, the cloning. Uh, and then I think that's all really good. It's just the Anakin Padme stuff. Love story is just so awkwardly handled. I mean, just, just the rolling down the grassy knoll or whatever. Yeah is the, the role itself is so awkward. And that just kind of sums up everything about the relationship in this movie. Yeah. If this movie, I've said this before on the podcast, but if this movie was just detective Kenobi, like I would, this would be my, like one of my favorite star Wars yeah. movies, you yeah, know, totally. but I, we will say, uh, you know, in the great words of, um, I think it was as Aretha Franklin said about Taylor Swift, uh, great gowns, beautiful gowns. That's how I feel about, <laughs> about Padme here. <laughs> great gowns, beautiful gowns. Uh, all right, so I'll 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 give you my pick, and then we can see what else uh, Devin has on her on her board. Still, I um I'm going to the Phantom Menace. We're going prequel again, classic. And you know, it would be easy to basically pick out the entire painful dinner conversation scene at Shmi and Anakin's Tatooine dwelling. There's just and there's lots of like Jar Jar like sucking up fruit and Qui Gon like pinching his tongue. It's just the whole thing is just like not good. But uh, I'm going to go with a little dialogue back and forth that I've mentioned to you all before. And it's not a major moment. It's no big speech. It hasn't been turned into a meme. It's just a a simple exchange between two pesky Neomodians after a hologram conversation with Darth Sidious. And it sort of is in the same line of what Devin was just saying with the I wish I could wish away my feelings. So they tried to kill the Jedi, right? Like they put the gas in the room and they they escaped and got away. And then they're talking later with Darth Sidious about the whole blockade of Naboo and what they're going to do there. And then afterwards they get off. And this dude, Arun Hako, says to Nate Gunray, you didn't tell him about the missing Jedi. To which Nate Gunray replies, no need to report that to him until we have something to report. And no need to report that to him until we have something to report. And it makes me so angry because it's just, it's so easy to avoid needlessly repeating the word report. It's so just infuriatingly lazy. (laughs) You could have easily said, no need to mention that until we have something to report. No No need need to to report report it. Right. No need to report that to him until we have an update. I mean, like, there's there's a million ways. And this script went through so many people for so long. And no one thought to say, hey, you know what? No need to report that to him until we have something to report. Like, it's a little bit, you know, repetitive. And yet that's what they went with. And now it's a line that's forgotten as soon as it's said. It, it, you know, oh, yeah. it adds nothing to the yeah. film, forgotten as soon as it's spoken. And yet it just... For me, it summarizes so much. It's like the perfect encapsulation of just like, man, if they just had had a great writer on this. George Lucas is amazing at world building. He's amazing mm-hmm. at big themes. He's done so much great stuff with this franchise. 
But like I said, and this isn't just me, these are the actors in the films have acknowledged that this is not this and sort of getting the best performances out of actors and those things with the dialogue are are definitely tied in. That was his weakness. And I I, God, if they just gotten a better, better script supervisor in here, it just drives me nuts. I mean, I've I've talked about this. I, I mean, I love some of the 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 quotes from you know Harrison Ford, where apparently he, he told George, like, "Look, George, you can write this, but you can't say it." Yeah. Um. Yeah. Or, but but one of my favorite part of why I love the 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 original trilogy so much, especially um, Empire, is because Carrie Fisher did punch ups on the script. Like she literally edited and was like, "George, you can't." you can't do this. Um, and actually like <laughs> Carrie Fisher was like an incredible script doctor and, and an incredible writer. Um, but yeah. And I think when, when it came to the prequels, I think, look, I, I think we see this a lot in Hollywood. Sometimes if, if you, if you are a very successful person, people think like, Oh, they're a genius. And we're, you know, like whatever they say is, is genius. And like, no, you need somebody to be like, look, you're a genius, but this is bad. And you need an editor. Yeah. So. You're a genius, but you can't write dialogue. And perhaps you should let someone else do it. That's what yeah, I'm, or know. just just let somebody else take a pass. Yep, just yeah. a pass, just a pass, just a pass. <laughs> uh, Devin, any other terrible dialogue examples you want to cite? Um, well, also on my list, um, I had literally anything Jar Jar says. Um, <laughs> Fair play. Uh, I had, believe me, I wish that I could wish away my feelings. I had the, the sand monologue. Um, I had from also from Rise of Skywalker. I had the they fly now. They fly they now. Fly now. Yeah. Which is uh, stupid, and we we've talked about a lot. Um, I also have, and I I complain about this constantly on this stupid podcast. But my one of my biggest prequel gripes is the whole Padme losing the will to live, and when uh, the medical droid yeah, is that like, one's pretty bad. she has lost to the will to live. Medically, she's I don't have the exact the full thing, but she has lost Medically, the will to live. Medically, she's fine, but still, she's dying, and they're just yeah. like. Uh, just it's it's bad it's bad the whole thing is bad um again it's very hand wavy like hey this is a major plot thing and we're just this is what the, needs yep. to happen for the yep. plot so we're just gonna you know kind of wave it away um but i wanted to give a shout out to a line that i think a lot of has kind of become a meme and people get it, it's less the writing and more the delivery but i love it's one of my favorite lines in the original uh trilogy which is I was going to go to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. 10 Amazing. out of 10. We, I, I think, am obsessed. I think that one is also the delivery of the just it's the delivery. The line itself. That Mark Hamill puts on it. Oh, it's so good. I love that line. But people like which complain he, about that being. Which even he's like, he's like, I wouldn't have said it as whiny as I did, but that was George. He told me. It's like, it's like it's every like, kid ever is like, oh. I was going to go to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. Oh. It's. Oh, but I love it. It's like it makes me so happy every time I watch it. And so I wanted to give a shout out to that as a yeah, as as one of my favorites. Yeah, we don't have anything from the original trilogy on this on this list. Um I did I did think of one thing I wanted to add from Revenge of the Sith, and this goes back to uh this is just when um uh Palpatine tells Anakin that Padme is dead and just the gigantic No Oh god, the no <laughs> I was it's so I I remember being in the theater, <laughs> Lauren, when that happened. Out. I was like, they did not just do that. Like, I mean, it's yeah. literally like something no, on the Simpsons. It it's like a Simpsons type like parody, and I guess it's an homage. Like, maybe it's still- an homage to when Luke was. Sc- I mean, also Luke's no in Empire was pretty badly delivered, but like, I mean, it looks like sort of the whole that. thing looks like very Frankenstein homage. You know, yeah. he busts out of the chains on the table, but it's like. It just like literally just to do a big no. Yeah. Like, I, 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 
just any dignity that Darth Vader ever had, just like poof, right at that moment, just flew woof. out the chamber. Oh, uh, and it was such a bummer too because I, you know, the whole Anakin to Vader thing, and like mm-hmm. I, I'm not as crazy about the actual lightsaber battle. I think as you two are on Mustafar, but I do love like him having his limbs chopped off and ball and like burning scalding flesh on fire on like, I think that is just awesome. Like, wow, this is usually a PG franchise. They earned their PG 13 rating right there. Way to go for it. And then, you know, Sidia shows up, takes him away. And then you end with that whole no thing. It it was just a bummer. It was a bummer. Um, All right. Is that it for, crappy dialogue in star wars movies i mean how much time do you have but yeah i think i think we hit the we hit the highlights all right Mm -hmm. um so we're gonna have michelle ang on in just a second uh she uh, does omega on the bad batch but real quickly lauren want to see if there's anything you want to say about this week's episode of the bad batch it was a very uh, omega and tech centric episode is the the group i guess is sent on a mission by sid to uncover some sort of material out of a cave i don't really remember what it is or if it, it was matters. actually fee wanted to go find uh you know fee who is played by wanda Sykes. she's kind of a new character this season she's kind of going treasure hunting so she convinces the bad batch who you know they lost the treasure uh of count dooku's t- treasure in the opener uh, so she wants to go find this other thing and it's called the heart of the forest, I believe, but it's a really kind of crazy episode. Cause it goes back to, um, a lot of it. It's, it's like, it's like pre Jedi. It's like, she's talking about this as like a lost treasure of the ancients, which is like something like the, like they mentioned a little bit of it on, um, on Andor called the Rakuten Empire. And it goes back to one of the games that I I haven't played, but it's, it's like just really crazy stuff. Um, Cause they find this, um, this says it's like the heart of the forest and she removes it. And then all of a sudden this, like it turns out that they're not in a temple, but it's like this crazy spaceship that emerges and starts firing. And I was watching this episode. I'm like, what is going on here? Because this is lunatics. Like, I just thought that the whole thing was like crazy. It was like very interestingly done, but I was like, there has to be more backstory about this, like Skull and all and like this whole entire thing. I did some research and there, it is a little bit of mentioning that uh, it goes back to um, one of the old Star Wars video games. Uh, But it is kind of like, it is kind of, cuckoo bananas in terms of uh you know backstory for the uh, for the galaxy so i thought from that aspect of it i thought it was a pretty crazy episode are, are we like talking about the same episode like i thought yeah. the episode was entombed this week is it entombed the one with the well, tech I think and it is entombed. hold on no, tech i think you're thinking of a different one hold on i think i think you've got the wrong episode lauren no this was the one that was on this was the one that was uh, out on um disney it's Plus episode five entombed out january 25th you're totally talking about a different episode. No, I'm not. Because <laughs> I, I watched it on Disney Plus this morning, and it was the most recent one. Okay. Hold on for a minute. Did you watch the right one? One, one of us is wrong. It's probably me, and I've just ru- slowed your roll and ruined it. No, 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 because it's basically because Sid's not really in this one. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I watched I watched a different. I watched the wrong episode. Wrong episode. <laughs> Which one did I watch? <laughs> I watched some crazy wrong episode i literally don't even know what i watched 
I you did watch an episode there. I I I know which one you're talking about, but that's <laughs> <It's> amazing. <laughs> All right, Sammy, our producer, you can you can keep as much of this in or take as much of this out. But literally, I was on the press site. I watched the complete wrong episode. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I rewatched it on Disney Plus this well, what's, morning. So. What's funny about that is I'm sure Devin's done this at some point, or maybe not. Maybe she's not as dumb as I am. <laughs> is that sometimes when you go on a press site, um. I think FX does this on their press site. I realize this is very inside baseball, but they are like, they list the episodes in reverse order. So if you just click on what you think is the first episode, you actually end up watching like the finale. Yes. The Disney press site's also like that. It's like, it's very hard because sometimes it'll just, it'll start the wrong episode when you click it. So sometimes you're like, hold on, this doesn't seem to be, or it'll start replaying an episode you just watched. But yes, no, that, that, that was, uh. I'm, okay. I'm well, I sure. watched the wrong episode. I, I, I hope it was good. <laughs> I hope it was amazing. I hope Michelle Ang's at least in it because we're running her interview this she week. She is in it. Okay. She is in it. Good. Good. But, uh, um, right. No, but this, this one was really interesting and perhaps Damn you it. should go watch it. Yeah. <laughs> is this redemption for uh, the sweater? For the, wi- uh, for the wild, crazy sweater, uh, wild, wild sweater? Crazy. <laughs> I think this is because, you know. Oh, that's perfect. I'm gonna that just I'm just... gonna chalk this up to uh, Dalton's cold medicine. Made yeah, there you go. A little, little Nyquil goes a long way, and a lot of Nyquil goes even <laughs> further. Let me tell you that. <laughs> yeah. I know. Anyway, I thought this episode, the one that actually came out this week, was very interesting. Well, I guess I should check it out like everyone else. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, okay. So, so uh, enough of this tomfoolery. <laughs> it's time. Let's let's hear from Omega herself. Lauren chatted with Michelle Ang, who voices the character. Uh, they talked before the season began. We've been waiting for the, the perfect time to play it for you. And I guess now is that time. Uh, <laughs> so right after this quick break, it's Michelle Ang coming at you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I just saw all 14 episodes, you know, and I really liked Omega's, you know, arc. I liked, I loved the fact that she was kind of more involved and they weren't just telling her to hang out on the ship this time, you know, and then she got to be like trained and stuff like that. But can you tell me a little bit more about where we find Omega in season two? Yeah, obviously you've um, put your finger on it. There's a bit of a time jump and emotionally and like physically that's actually really visible in the manifestation of Omega season two. She's grown up, her hair's longer, she's got a Mm. new outfit that's more appropriate for the missions that she's on but emotionally we see that's a little girl that is um not, not really a little girl anymore more like a young adolescent and someone who's very comfortable at the coal face of um bounty hunting like she gets her <laughs> kit 
out of running for her life and enjoys, um, you know, using her weapon of choice and is, is quite good at it now. Um, she, yeah, she's comfortable with the adrenaline lifestyle. And then, you know, as season two progresses, we get to, we, we get to see that she, she has to navigate some emotional sort of challenges, um, and and a lot of that centering around like identity and and sense of belonging and her and the identity of the batch as a family, mm-hmm. um, which which allows us to explore some darker themes actually. So yeah, Amiga is is a lot more confident of her place in the squad and therefore can vocalize and challenge them more. Um, but then also yeah, she her emotional risks are sort of higher in season two. I like that she she really doesn't back down with them. Like, you know, she she's basically like, you know, she'll she'll argue with them and, you know, and it's interesting between like uh, you know, like with her and Hunter, it's a little bit more fatherly, daughterly, but like her and Wrecker is more like, you know, I'm not even quite sure how to describe their siblings. I feel like he's, he's, he's like the little brother. He's the little <laughs> brother that's bigger in size. <laughs> yeah, probably. But it's very interesting to see how you know her relationship is different with all, like all of the different, um, all of the different Bad Batch members. Um, but did you have any like input in uh, Omega's arc this season? Like, did you get to say like, oh, I think this would be cool if she did this, or is it sort of is it something you're discussing with the producers as you're going along? I think the producers of of Star Wars have hold such deep uh, knowledge of the world, and actually, mm-hmm. I think very meticulous in pre planning the arcs for the characters. So, I think that would have been laid laid down way before I was even invited to be a part of the project. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, you know, when when I get the scripts, so I I really only get the scripts when they're completely published and ready to be recorded. Um, there's lots of uh, my input comes at that sort of scene level where mm-hmm. if something sort of doesn't make sense to me or like she's, you know, um, overcome too easily with this emotion or like believes this too easily. I can, that's my opportunity to be like, is there a way we can frame it? It doesn't, you know, her, her emotional journey was too fast in the scene. It, I can't make it make sense. Um, mm-hmm. That's the place where I would bring my thoughts. But in terms of the larger journey that she's on, I feel like it's a, it's kind of exciting in a way to not know because I just, it's a revelation every time I get a script, um, I'm learning almost in real time. No, that's great. And did you have a favorite episode from the season or, or an episode, like an episode arc? Did you, was there anyone you particularly liked? Um, ooh, I liked lots. I, I really enjoyed, there's an episode uh, where they are sent on a mining mission. Mm-hmm um it just it was just cool just I talked you know Brad the director was really excited with how they'd come up with this particular element and like the the equipment around how to get it and the high stakes of it so that was fun to play because Omega's really kind of leading the charge and like taking the situation into her own hands but from an emotional performance point I really enjoyed the interaction with Tech um just you know she's hurting from she's hurting from a a fraction of their family like mm-hmm. there's a family situation that is like sort of causing her to feel very blue and um and tech has to try and make amends for it for, for a way that he sort of caused her hurt and it's a very tech way of doing it but mm-hmm. I, I did really I did really enjoy that scene where he's trying to I, teach her how to fly <laughs> and he's oh, like, yeah. pull up, pull up, pull up. you know she's just like 
<laughs> that was fun. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, um, Omega gives Tech a little bit of a jolt out of his comfort space and we normally see him as easy breezy Tech. So it's fun to see Tech in that world. Yeah, it's sort of, it's hard to throw him off. And, and that was definitely like him him in a, in a situation we don't see him. Can I ask you a question? Do you record with D? Like, do you, when do you, I mean, I know D is going through all of the characters at once, but like, do you like, like, do you guys record uh, together? How is that? How does that work with you guys? Yeah, as much as possible, um, there is something sort of invaluable about the real time bouncing off of each other's performance because it means Mm -hmm. that we can adjust our performance based off of a a particular read. Um, Most times we are on a Zoom together. Sometimes for whatever reason, um, we can't quite tee it up. So in that case, I will record with just the director and writer without D and Mm -hmm. then D will do his piece separately. Um, But actually, because we've done quite a few now, I feel like we are probably fairly attuned to understand how each of us would approach our characters. So even when we're not together, it's a pretty robust performance. But yeah, for the emotional episodes, it's always really delicious to have real time um, recording with Dee. Does it ever get confusing just to see him switch between the characters? Because I was watching him earlier do it at Star Wars Celebration. And I think I would just be like, like a gog the whole time. So like how fast he went. Yeah. Yeah, it's honestly, it's amazing. But, but I think the key is I don't watch him in terms of Mm -hmm. like, I don't watch his video on Zoom. I very much imagine him and I'm really honing on the audio. And because he's done such an incredible distinction between everyone, I never really get confused confused honestly he's he's a magician yeah it's just it's amazing to watch him uh to him uh work can I ask you a question did like COVID affect the production at all because I know it seemed to have affected everyone's production but since you're already in New Zealand was it just kind of honestly that's the incredible and magical thing about technology and mm-hmm. an openness to having people work remotely I think for the um, American team it might have been a little bit tricky they you know, our key creatives um, weren't able to meet. Um, mm-hmm. So they all had to dial in from their respective homes. I think they probably have an incredible tech team that navigate that. But actually for us, uh, because I was always going to be in New Zealand, you're right, it, the, the flow of work for myself didn't actually change very much, um, except for that I started to record from um, my house instead of going out to a studio because New Zealand had quite intense lockdowns. Mm-hmm. And that's meant that accessibility for me is is better. Like I, I can I can um do very early mornings because of the time difference. No, so yeah, it's it's been quite seamless. Were you a big Star Wars fan growing up? No, I've been I you know, I've been a very late comer to the amazing <laughs> to the amazing and incredibly large galaxy and mm-hmm. and family. Um I sometimes I feel a little sort of shy about that, but then I attended celebration and it was my first convention in earlier this year. And um I actually think it's kind of cool to be learning about it now and through this experience and through meeting the fans, particularly from Bad Batch. It's kind of like it's a very specific entry point into Star Wars. And um, mm-hmm. the fact that it's intergenerational, like our, our show anyway, means that I can kind of see it from lots of different lev- like different ages and their perspectives. And yeah, I'm newer to it, but I'm really enjoying enjoying it. Oh, well, I'm I'm so glad you're part of our galaxy now. So, you know, I've been a fan since I was a kid, but I, I think I, it's always great to see everybody coming in at all different points of view. Or time. <laughs> anyway, take care. Our thanks to Michelle Ang for joining us this week. And our thanks to all of you for listening and hanging out with us every week. 
We would also be super thankful if you would please follow and rate the podcast and tell all your friends about it. And if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be absolutely killer. You can also connect with us on social media. You can follow Entertainment Weekly on all socials. It's at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag and follow us directly using at Dalton Ross, at Devin Kogan, and at Morglore. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll do it all over again next week. This episode of Dagobah Dispatch is hosted by Dalton Ross, Devin Kogan, and Lauren Morgan. Produced by Chanel Johnson and Sammy Junio. Edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>